Welcome back, friends. Last Cafe, and it's time for another, basically, a podcast solo episode. We're going over uh, Winter Falcon, so Falcon Winter Soldier, episode three here. And just going on, just saying what I like and everything about the episode. In general, this is the first one that felt like a TV show. Like, the first two episodes felt like movie quality. This one felt like a TV show, which is weird, considering it was written by the dude who made John Wick. Very weird for that. And I need to say at the start, because... You just feel, if you've seen John Wick 1, 2, and 3, you're like, this feels like John Wick. Like, damn, they're really inspired by John Wick this episode. Oh no, it's just the guy who wrote it was the guy who made John Wick, so that makes more sense. So, if you felt the same way I did about it, there's your answer. It's because it's the guy who wrote it. So, wow. And I'll talk about those when we get to those points. But, something interesting was early on, some things get mentioned, or at some point, well, at different points. Early on, they mentioned Sharon Carter. I'm like, oh hey, I forgot about her. And then at another point, uh, later on in the episode, uh, obviously I'm talking about spo- I'm, I'm talking about the episode. So if you haven't seen it, then I think you should see it before you listen to this. But you have uh, Winter Soldier. He's like, you know, they're not gonna be happy we broke Zemo out, and you know they haven't forgotten about <laughs> about what happened to Shaka. So yeah, so that really made sense. What was gonna happen at the end of th- the episode for sure. So if you listen to the last episode, th- there's a couple spoiler things I didn't want to talk about. And one of them was the power broker. So when I saw the title of this episode was Power Broker, I'm like, oh, they're just giving that away, okay. And I'm curious who the Power Broker is going to be, but I'll get into that more later on. So we we have, like, Captain America, this is the only scene we have with John Walker, where they're trying to find the Flag Smashers. They know she was there, but she's not there anymore. And just John Walker gets Battlestar to speak German. I assume it's German. And they're talking. It might not be German. I might be wrong on this. And then the dude's, like... The dude spits into his face and he says, do you know who I am? He just gets really mad. You can see he's on edge about this whole thing. And like, he's really mad. He's being disrespected here. And like, this could lead to a darker Captain America right here. And it makes sense for that because he's not Steve Rogers. I, I said this to a friend, like, you know, Steve would not treat it like that. And they said Steve wouldn't be there at all. Like, that's also a good point. I think if Steve was there, if Steve was in that raid, I think Steve Rogers would be very much... The conversation would have gone differently, and if he got spat in the face, he probably would have walked away or something else. But he would not have just pushed the guy angrily. He would have just tried to do it differently. Because what's interesting about Steve Rogers is he tries to see things from different perspectives. He really does try to do that. But when he disagrees, if he, ch- he sees the other perspective, he's like, no, that doesn't work, then he'll just be outright against it. You could see Steve being like, okay, the Flag Smashers... He gets why they feel this way, because he was there while the after the blip happened, and things were getting better. But they need to go back to some sort of, like, three billion people are back, so they need to do something with all that. And so they need to do, do that. So he'd be some rival opinion going up against the Flag Smasher. And it'd be interesting to have Steve Rogers try to talk to the Flag Smasher. It'd be very interesting to have that. But it's not Steve, it's John Walker, and he's getting unhinged a little bit, and I think it's just the stress of the whole thing. And it's good that we see that. But with Sam and Bucky, they are, of course, they're going to see Zemo. It opens with Zemo doing the whole, uh, the code words, trying to get the Winter Soldier out. And he's like, that doesn't work anymore. But he's still trying to just, throughout the episode, he's just trying to play on him being the Winter Soldier and just trying to have him just be that and remind him that he can't just be not the Winter Soldier anymore. Same thing with Isaiah in the previous episode. You can't just say you're not the Winter Soldier anymore and just wash your hands of it. Like, it's not that easy. You have to really, I guess, earn it, <laughs> or you never can earn it, maybe, depending on who it is. Breaking out Zemo was a little too easy. It felt way too easy. You knew that's what they were doing, and it was fun, but it also just felt too easy at the same time. And it was odd. It was also just odd, and they break him out, and 
Well, that's the other time you see John Walkers later on. He's like, figures out that they must have broken out Zemo. And then with Zemo, is pretty fun. Like, there was some fun stuff going on with Zemo, and you just find out, oh, hey, he is a Baron. He's just, suddenly, he's just royalty. It used to be you just thought he was just some soldier and and just being very, very driven person who's able to make everything happen. But here, it's he's actually been a Baron the whole time, so with all of his money, he's been able to do things and do what he's needed to do. You just didn't see the parts with the butler, I guess, in uh, Civil War. It was very... It's just out of nowhere with that. And that's kind of the problem is if they want to do things like that, it's always just sudden like, what, you never knew or you never heard about that. It just keeps happening with Marvel. And I feel like Marvel should just plant more breadcrumbs and plant more seeds for future things that maybe they're just a reference or maybe they will be relevant later. Because just suddenly that Zemo really is a baron and he got all this wealth is kind of weird. It's kind of just odd right there. And then they're going to like climb up the ladders of low lives and they're going to go to Madripoor, which was interesting stuff. There's some really good shots in this episode. I'm like, wow, whoever's directing this, just, they just love doing these really cool shots. And there's some nice ones, like the motorcycle, uh, the motorcycle going with them when they're driving. Some of the prison shots are pretty good. Some of the shots in the club and the shots in the, in the lab. They had some very nice shots. Just very well done shots that were happening. And the action was really good. Oh, yeah. So when they were in Latvia, I was like, they're in Lat- I thought it was Latveria for a minute. I'm like, oh, snap, Doom? I was like, no, 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 no reference to Doom. This is Latvia, not Latveria. <laughs> Oops. My bad. Just for a second, I got my hopes up. And I have stuff going with Carly where she's saying bye to some important character, which we don't really know who they are yet. And, or if there will be anything. And an unfortunate thing with her, just going over all of the Carly stuff right now, unfortunate thing with her is it's not a bad argument. She's like, she's right. Like it to be there's no borders. She's on the run because she stole super soldier serum from this bad guy. And she's dealing with all that. And it could have been she tries to be like a heroic character and tragically she can't be. And it just bad things happen. Instead, she just goes full on. All right, we're going to take all this food. And then we're just going to kill all these soldiers. And now it just automatically makes you go from, well, this is a sympathetic character to, oh, they're just a villain. All right. It felt a bit extreme. It did, wasn't the best. And but it is what it is. It's like, they're like, okay, she's too sympathetic. We need to make her not sympathetic anymore. And this is how we're going to do it. It's very sudden. It's very surprising. Even her, even her friend who's been there with her for a long time is like, what the, what the, what the hell? Really? She didn't say anything to him about it. She just went and did it. Not great. It's, um, yeah, really this episode was a bit ham-fisted in some ways. Baron Zemo, a bit ham-fisted. He's just suddenly Baron Zemo. Uh, this as well, just Carly just doing that a bit ham-fisted as well. I just, it's why it felt more like a TV show than a movie, because they just did some things that didn't feel right. Didn't, just didn't gel right, I think. But in the scenes where they're in Madripoor, there's a lot of signs you see, and some of them are references to stuff, like the princess is a reference to a Wolverine bar. So there's references to X-Men going on in here. And apparently Madripoor is also a place where Hawkeye goes, so we might see him there when they do that TV show. And they mentioned the power broker, and he's like this looming thing that we know is going to be a problem later on, but we don't know who or what it is. And they're at the bar, and Sam is smiling tiger. So when he he drinks that thing, I assume the bartender, because he knows who smiling tiger is, it seems, he knows damn well this guy isn't smiling tiger. He knows he isn't. He's like, I'm just going to give him some random drink. I'm going to mess with this guy. That's really what it felt like to me, because he just keeps staring at him. He's like, I know this isn't him. I know this guy's faking being Smiling Tiger, but I'm just going to see how far it takes us. That's really what it felt like. Really felt like that. 
So when they talk with Selby, I really thought it was going to be just reveal like we know he's not really Smiling Tiger. The reveal that he's Sam through the phone, I I didn't think that was going to be it. I thought they're like, yeah, we know. We knew you weren't Smiling Tiger. Are you kidding me? You look just like him, but we know you're not him. But no, no, it's uh, well, she has never met him before, but it seems like the bartender knew him. So the bartender could have tipped off Selby. That's what it felt like. And just the place full of people with guns and everything felt very John Wick. I was like, oh, this reminds me of John Wick. Just, just everyone's just got guns. Everything's just, everyone's a dangerous assassin person or whatever. It was like John Wick. It was like John Wick. That's where I started feeling it at first. And then when Selby gets sniped by somebody and then they have to escape and they, everyone thinks that the kills so is a bounty on them. Like, oh, hey, this is very John Wick. What the hell? Like, that is the that is the end of one of the movies. Like, the contract on John Wick. Like, all right, this feels like John Wick, like, a lot. And then they run into Sharon Carter, who, here's the thing. Why did she, why is she there? Was she the one who killed Selby? Uh, did she know she they were there and then she was just, this is the thing, maybe I forget her saying that she got tipped off they were there or whatever, so she's there to check them out. But she's she's there, she helps them out, and then she takes them to her place where she's got, like, really good art, like, real art. And she's making a lot of money. And she easily finds them Nagel, which is the guy who works on Super Soldier Serum. And then you have her being very anti-heroism, like, hero stuff, and being kind of anti-America. And just thinking all the heroic stuff is just bull. And yeah, a lot has happened to her since Civil War, so it's understandable she's jaded. But... I don't understand why she would want to do this deal where she can get a part into the U.S. She's doing really well in this place, but I guess it'd be nice to be able to go home and not have to just do a bunch of underworld stuff to stay alive. But she's making a lot of money when you consider what she's got, which is making people theorize that maybe she's the power broker, and maybe she will be. Or maybe she'll just be someone up the pole. We'll see. Sharon Carter is a complicated character after things that happened with her in the comics, and she is very much a badass character, and we finally get to see that. I don't think we really saw that in Civil War, we got to see it here, because after they go f- look for Nagel, she's fighting a bunch of assassins, or bounty hunters, and she's kicking a lot of ass, I'm like, this feels very John Wick again, because she's fighting very competently, just feels very John Wicky, and they're in the lab, and you knew damn well Zemo was going to kill Nagel, you knew he was going to do that, there's no way he wasn't going to do that, I'm just surprised they're surprised he killed him, I'm really surprised they're surprised he killed him, but one whole thing is, they could say they didn't kill him, because a dude freaking just blows up the lab with a rocket, that would have killed the dude for sure. That's perfectly possible. And then, yeah, Sharon doesn't leave Magipore. The rest of them do. And she says there's a problem. And the question is whether she's working with the power broker, she's the power broker, or something like that. And here's the thing. They could have made that just a cameo where she's not going to come back in the rest, of the, ep- the rest of the show. Maybe she will, maybe she won't. Because that's the thing they could do. It's a very comic book thing where characters are passing shifts with each other. And I wouldn't be against it being that way if they do that, because then that just means these characters just have lives outside of the shows and the movies. And I wouldn't have a problem with that. Also, there was Baron Zemo fighting in this as well, which the second you put on the mask, like, okay, now they can have him do some action stuff. So you can see that he's actually a competent fighter. So that was interesting to see. And then what was it? Oh, yeah, then they're going to go see their next lead. Oh, right. Also, with Nagel. So I'll mention the Easter egg now. Nagel was in the comic where it's with Isaiah, where he killed a lot of black soldiers trying to make the super serum, super soldier serum work, and then he finally succeeded with Isaiah. That's what he is in the comics, and this one, obviously, he's a later person who's working on it. And people theorize that the reference is more a reference to Henrietta Lacks, because he's just using a blood sample from some random person who doesn't even know their name, 
And it worked out for doing some things. And you can look up Henrietta Lacks about all that stuff going on with that. And it's, of course, supposed to be just this allusion to Tuskegee, the experiments, which was an awful time in American history. The problem with America is we do have a lot of history that is steeped in blood, and we forget about it. History is doomed to repeat itself with us because we always forget the ugly side of our history, which is very unfortunate. I think we should acknowledge the ugly side of our history. I don't know why we don't, because it's both interesting and horrible at the same time. And it gives a fuller picture of who we are. We're not just these heroes. We have these flaws about us. Because there are Americans who think we're just this heroic country. And that can be the same thing for just characters, where the truth of any hero is they have all these good things about them, but they also have flaws about them, but they're trying to do the right thing at the end of the day. And sometimes that doesn't always go well. The same thing can be said for a country that tries to do well. It tries to do the right thing, but it's going to make mistakes, and there's going to be some just awful situations that happen, and just stand if you do, damned if you don't kind of stuff. So I really wish, just as an aside, that America embraced its dirty, dark history so we could acknowledge it and just grow stronger instead of just ignoring the bad parts of us. Because people who ignore their weaknesses, I think, are actually pretty weak. I see here, yeah, Walker and Hoskins learning about Sam Bucky must have broken out Zemo, so they're looking for them. And then they go to... where are they? Oh yeah, they went to Latvia because that's their next lead. And then they run into Io. Well... Uh, Bucky runs into Io, Io, because he sees these little things like, huh, breadcrumb, 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 and it's Io. Io, of course, we saw in uh, Civil War. She's actually second in command of uh, the guard, so she's under, uh, what's her name, Okoye? I think, yeah, Okoye, that badass lady. So she's in sec her second in command. We didn't see her in Black Panther, if I remember correctly, because I guess she was busy doing other things. So it's cool to see her again. And yeah, Bucky's got to try to convince her to not kill Zemo right now, because of course she wants Zemo. Truth of the matter is, if they really wanted to kill Zemo, they could have done it any time. Wakanda could easily get into that prison and kill Zemo. They just didn't. Because I guess they're like, all right, fine, he's in prison, that's good enough. And the thing about it is really, what's going to happen with Wakanda stuff? I don't know why, but the theory with uh, Vision in WandaVision is that Vision's going to go to Wakanda. I don't understand why, but that's the theory. And then here we have Wakanda here, and the question is, are we going to see T'Challa? Are we going to see Shuri? Obviously, we can't really see T'Challa, sort of. We'll see what they do with Chadwick Boseman there, since he is dead. And this was a bit messy, the way I went through everything. It was like, if the things are, these are the things that stand out, so these are the things I thought were important. Probably could have been a bit more organized with this, but overall, it felt like a TV episode, not a movie episode. Oh yeah, there was the dancing going on, too. Um, getting to see Sharon Carter be really badass was nice. I like that a lot. Zemo doing some things is good because it shows that he is kind of a threat. Not just a trickster, but he actually can at least fight. Sam and Bucky did some good things in here. The thing about Sam is he's not being Falcon right now, he's being Sam. And that's some things with him as well. It's like He's not always fighting in that outfit. Sometimes he's just got to fight as a regular dude. And it's cool to see that. While Bucky, of course, always has his arm. And him acting like the Winter Soldier again was pretty good. I like that. So let's go over any Easter eggs I did not mention already. See, I already mentioned the Nagel stuff. So for, oh right, yeah, that was a funny joke. Uh, when Bucky wouldn't move his seat up for Sam, that happened in Civil War, where the roles were re reversed, where Sam wouldn't put his seat up for Bucky, which was funny. Zemo stuff, I think we got most of those covered. Yeah, we covered most of that. Oh yeah, the mentioning of the Sokovia uh, getting gobbled up by the other nations, that's unfortunate for them, of course. And he mentioned the memorial. We might see the memorial for Sokovia. I wonder why they'd go over there, but I think we'll see it because apparently in the trailer they showed 
uh, Zemo at the memorial. So, well, there you go. They'll be there at some point, which is good. This is one thing that's important about uh, Winter Soldier and, and the Falcon, I think, is they're showing the aftermath of things. They're showing the things that are happening between movies, where it's just people just trying to li- live their lives. And that's something we rarely see. So it's good to see that. If you want this world to be real and, and breathing, you need to see stuff like that. So I like that we see these things. Bucky's Captain Falcon, right? As I said before in the other episodes, Captain America. Bucky has been Captain America. And we have, that's a thing I did not like. Sam was just so frustrated with everything. He says he'd, he'd rather he destroyed the shield. And Bucky's like, I'd, I'll take the shield then. I'd take it and I'd wear it. Because Bucky has been Captain America and so is Sam. So now we got like, who's going to become Captain America later kind of thing. And I don't think it's the right characterization. I think Sam is correct to be upset about Isaiah and everything going on. But I don't think he's right to want to destroy the shield because Captain America has nothing to do with any of this. They were doing this crap to make a new Captain America. And that symbol does mean a lot to a lot of people. It really do. But to say that he should destroy the shield is really weird because it's Steve's shield. And Steve has done nothing but try to do the right thing always. So it's weird to want to destroy Steve's shield. I get him wanting to destroy maybe the concept of Captain America after Steve because so much bad has been done in the name of Captain America, but Captain America himself was not the crappy thing. (laughs) Well, his shield was not the crappy thing. This new Captain America might be terrible, though. We'll see. And it could be a statement about it's about the person, not the uniform. It's about the the person under the uniform. It's not that Captain America was the big hero. It's that Steve Rogers was the big hero. Like, you can do something like that, maybe. Also interesting is that Bucky's notebook is Steve's notebook. That is curious to learn that fact. So he's got Steve. So he's got Steve's notes about music in there. And so they talk about Trouble Man and all that, which is fun. Power broker stuff right now. They're just being hinted at. Mandrapore. Anything I didn't say about Mandrapore? Just that there's a lot of bars and the references to different comic stuff. So that's cool. All right, Snap Wilson. So the whole Smiling Tiger thing feels like also a reference to Snap Wilson for a while. Uh, Sam was also dressed as a pimp, but they undid that because they felt like that was a bit like uh, not the best characterization of Sam Wilson to make him also a pimp because, yeah, it's not the best. It's not the best. So they decided to undo that. They retconned it by having Red Skull did some stuff with the Cosmic Cube. Smiling Tiger, though, is an arch nemesis of the New Warriors. And so if that ever happens, we will see Smiling Tiger deal with them. And I think that's all the that's all the. Easter eggs to mention there. So that's everything. Might have been a bit fast and loose with this episode. Unfortunately, life has some things bearing down on me, so I had to be a little quicker on this one. Still, we want 20 minutes. So, The Falcon and Winter Soldier, I keep saying the name did in different ways. Three was pretty fun in a lot of ways, but it did feel like a very... They're just getting things to places kind of episode, and they're just setting some things up, but they're not really... There wasn't any... It wasn't as good as one and two, the first and second episode, I feel. But it has some really good stuff. The action was really good. It just didn't feel as cohesively good in some ways. But overall, it was a lot of fun anyway. So can't wait to see episode four. What do you think? You can let me know. And yeah, that's it for basically podcast episode three on this. Next time will be four. I feel like doing a solo episode on whatever topic. I can do that in between. We'll see. But that's it. I had fun talking. Hope you had fun listening. And that's what it's all about, is it? Having fun. Thanks for coming by and see you next time.